Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. This week's episode of the Impact Sessions is very different. I'm actually in the guest seat. I recently recorded a LinkedIn Live session with my studio host for the podcast, uh, and that is Josh Goodgen from Get Your Media. We jumped on LinkedIn Live and we had a, a really good chat for about 40 minutes talking about all things sales related. We touched on um, the way that sales is changing. We touched a bit on networking. We touched a bit on how to present your business in a compelling and competitive way. And we had a bit of a laugh as well. So if you're interested in sales, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy our first ever LinkedIn Live with me in the studio guest seat. Right then, we're back for another LinkedIn Live. Uh, Making the most of it while we still got it. I've not been kicked off yet. (laughs) No one's more shocked than I am. Yeah, no one's checking you out though, mate. (laughs) That's it, there's only one person watching at a minute. (laughs) Right time to go live this on a Friday at 10 to 5. Okay. They should have knocked off by now or be in the pub. They're definitely not going to be working. No. And if you're watching in the pub, turn it off because uh, you don't want to be doing that. No. But having said that, it's not always five o'clock because we're not in the UK. I mean, you could be listening or watching somewhere else, couldn't they? That's very true. I don't know how many uh, connections I've got in a foreign land, but uh, we'll find out. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, welcome back to another LinkedIn Live slash podcast slash piece of content. Um, not quite figured it out yet, to be honest. I've obviously got my uh, A Millennial's Guide to Business podcast, which I've been doing them all on LinkedIn Live and not actually uploading to iTunes. Uh, I'm just sort of banking them so I can release them similar to you do. Yeah, yeah. So, what you do. But obviously, if people catch it live or catch up on it afterwards, fair game. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to uh, the studio. What's Thank it like to be on that side? Uh, interesting, actually. Obviously, for those who don't know, I record a, a, a weekly podcast in Josh's studio here in uh, in Morley in, in north of the north of England. But um, I'm usually on the interviewer's side, so it's great to be being ask the questions so thanks for inviting me on to my first ever linkedin live josh no, it's all right it's, it's like no man's land no one's got a clue what's going on with linkedin live so we're, we're definitely uh, paving the way are we talking to a desert or are we talking to a, a skyscraper <laughs> full of people we've got no clue have we no idea but um yeah i titled we titled this um talk about why sort of sales is tra- is changing yeah uh, and obviously you've been a, a, a fair old expert in sales <laughs> It's, uh, it's relevant for you to sort of chat to us because I'm on the other side. I'm not really into sort of the sales. I'm into more marketing and content and yeah, yeah. that to be driving the uh, customer engagement. So it's, well, well, I guess that, you know, ultimately we've had a conversation this afternoon about some stuff. And what made me think was um, the way you design content strategies for people is to build a body of work, a body of evidence, a body of, of kind of credibility yeah. and give stuff away for people to dip in and to understand you and your brand and your expertise and that kind of thing. And then let people find you and come to you when they're ready to buy from you. And that's a really different way of approaching kind of what I would call traditional sales. But it's no different to what I'm seeing out there with my clients at the moment. So my view is if you are a traditional salesperson, Let's take IT sales or commodity sales or product sales. In the old days, you had all of the knowledge, you had all the information, you had all the technical capability, and in return for money, 
you would share that with somebody. Yeah. So you would say, I've got a product. I'm the only one who knows how it works. Do you want it? It'll cost you this. And people readily buy that. Yeah, yeah. The problem is now, because of the advent of the internet and YouTube, you haven't got the knowledge anymore. As a sales profession, you ain't got the exclusivity of that knowledge. No. So basically, anyone can find anything they want anywhere. Yeah. So I sell, in my world, three things that no one cares about. Coaching, training, and consultancy. I never say that. I'm about inspiring performance excellence in teams. But there's a million and one people out there about inspiring performance excellence in teams and people. Yeah. And coaching and training and consultancy. So if I then pretend that I hold all the aces there and I'm going to tell you how to do that, people are just not going to bother. They're going to go, you know what, and find out myself. Yeah. So with sales, you've got to, a bit like your content strategy, you've got to build a body of evidence and you've got to let people drip feed into that expertise and knowledge and people would gladly then give you the recognition through buying your services and whatever. When when they found that you're a credible representative yeah. of that particular sector that you work in or product or whatever. Yeah, it's one of them as well, isn't it? I think um, just because all the information is out there, a lot of people need the hand-holding. Like, we're not experts at everything. You know, mm -hmm. like, sales is one thing that I'm not particularly good at. It's not my thing. I'm not really good at emails either. I'm not, mm. <laughs> like, admin tasks, I'm terrible at it. Yeah. And that's why, I suppose, when you pick your strengths and weaknesses, that's when you do employ somebody's expertise for that sort of relevant topic. Yeah, you do. But, I mean, the world's full of organisations who've chosen salespeople for their expertise, and yet, they're not moving with the times. You know, yeah. they're not developing, they're not evolving. They see that instant gratification route that they've always been used to being eroded a bit. So, you know, a lot of salespeople are impatient. A lot of salespeople either want or need that gratification of, you know, I've hit my target, I've made a sale. Yeah. And what they're not, whilst they have to do that, I get that, I totally get that. They're not investing in anything other than today's sale yeah so they're not building a platform upon which to grow their sales tomorrow next month next year whatever it might be well, yeah it's pretty cutthroat isn't it i mean like i don't know much about the world of sales but i know i've seen in bigger organizations where like sales directors have chopped and changed and jumped from one company to the next and one minute of competition next minute they're working for them it's pretty savage and like from a sort of credibility standpoint and it's just not going to help your career path or as a company if you're there just like cutthroat sales and I suppose it depends on what you're trying to actually sell. Mm. I think it definitely won't work for, for me and forget your media because if I were just trying to flog videos, like just chop in and chop out, it, it's, you're going to get an awful product and you're going to get known for just being... Well, you would get people to buy from you because yeah. what they'd go, oh, Josh can get me a, you know, a cheap, quick, down and dirty video for a couple hundred quid. If that's what I'm looking for, I'll buy it from you. Yeah. But the reality of that is you don't build any longevity, you don't build any long-term relationships, you don't build any trust, and you don't build any body of, of um, existing customer kind of account development. Yeah, you, yeah. You're just a one-hit wonder, aren't you, really? So when you're looking at promoting yourself these days, um, there's a lot of talk about social selling rather than sort of direct selling. What do you mean by social selling? Well, let me tell you what I mean by direct selling. Okay. Direct selling is I've got this product... It looks like this. Do you want it? Right. That's how much it costs. Very basic terms, traditional yeah, rich yeah, selling. Yeah. Social selling is understanding that actually the only way and the best way to develop sales is to understand that you have a problem 
solving solution. Yeah. But you have to identify the customers who've got the problem that you solve in the first place. Yeah. So that's about, you know, research. It's about developing knowledge. It's about understanding the environments that you, you target. So, for example, if you're doing work around leadership, what kind of organisations are going through leadership challenges at the moment? You know, it's, it's organisations that are in flux. It's organisations that are growing. It's organisations that are uncertain. So it could be construction, it could be retail, it could be wherever it might be. So then what you're doing, you're doing the research to say, I've identified a sector or a group or an opportunity for people who may, and I always use the word may, benefit from what I do. Yeah. However, I now need to do the social bit, which is reach out. So I reach out on LinkedIn and other channels. I share content with them, whether that's podcasts, video content, top tips, vlogs, blogs, whatever. I'm saying not me, but whoever it might be. You share your content and you're basically presenting yourself as someone of knowledge, relevance, expertise in a particular field. And you're saying, look, I think in your world, you may have some things going on that that we may be able to help you with. And here's some evidence as why we might be able to help you with. Have a look at that body of work. Have a look at that content. If you think that's right, let's have a chat. Yeah. So you're basically building the content to support your direct sales kind of approach. Yeah. But it's very, very medium to long term. Yeah, it, definitely. There's no instant gratification with that. No, and that's almost like on a marketing perspective, and it's your, your it is, it's marketing collateral to help drive your sales, is that, and it really, and we spoke about it before we came on onto this LinkedIn Live. I think the people that are, um, that are trying to sell in, in, if we talk about, you know, a, a traditional sort of sales director or a salesperson role and there's no personal brand behind it and there's just, mm. it is that cutthroat mentality. That yeah. world's got to be dying, surely. And I, I, I might be wrong, but that world's got to be going away from like Wolf of Wall Street when you see it and they just sell, yeah. sell, sell to now, right, we're going to have to build on the marketing side build, massively. Build, build, yeah. build. Yeah. Build content, build relationships. Yeah. You will get the sales, but, and you'll probably get stronger sales. You'll probably get a stronger relationship build, you probably get a, a stronger body of loyal, devoted customers, but you won't get them tomorrow, necessarily. Do you think that's, um, I, I, like I'm looking at it now thinking because the world has become such a smaller space with uh, LinkedIn and with all these social platforms, there's no hiding anymore. So if you were a cutthroat salesman now, for example, mm. you can't hide because no. they'll find you like, the, the the people of the internet will hunt you down. Yeah. So I suppose that's where that integrity thing's got to come from now where, I suppose social selling, you've got to be backing, you've got to be backing your horse. You can't, mm. you can't be just flogging it to somebody knowing it's going to fail. Because I suppose the back in day, people will, even now probably still sell products that they don't believe are just for the, for the paycheck. Well, in one of my workshops, I asked people about, have you ever worked somewhere selling a product or a service you didn't believe in? And, you know, people sheepishly put their hands up and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I worked there and whatever it might be. And I'll say to them, you know, how good were you at this? And, and I was rubbish. Okay, you were rubbish, but yeah, I was there two years. So for two years, I was rubbish at selling a product I didn't believe in. So I cost my employer two years worth of employment because I was actually rubbish. They didn't find out I was rubbish. I kept my head down, didn't sort of, you know, put my head above the, the parapet. Yeah. And I was constantly looking for another job that was better. And yet I didn't believe in the product. And I didn't sell many of them. And when I did sell it, it was the wrong product. So, I mean, technically we shot to bits anyway. Yeah. So it's all about finding the right mix. It's about, you know what? You can't sell everything to everyone. 
I think some people traditionally think, right, that's my sector. We're going to flood that market. We're going to be the biggest player in that market. And you might be. I, my view is you're probably not going to go down that route these days of, of, of achieving that through purely traditional direct selling. Yeah. Because the world is small. People do talk. People have groups on, on social media. They have, you know, um, uh, chat rooms on other forms of, 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 of content, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And your credibility, what do they say? It takes, it takes a lifetime to build a, a reputation yeah. and minutes to, <laughs> Second, to, yeah, seconds seconds to, to, destroy to crush it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've only got to look at the Gerald Ratner story from the early 90s. For those who were not familiar, Gerald Ratner was a, a chief executive of a very successful retail high street jewellers uh, in the UK. And he had you know hundreds and hundreds of shops and he was yeah. probably one of the top jewellery uh, retailers in the UK. And he made some off-the-cuff flippant but quite detrimental comments about his products and his customers in 1990 and literally within months you know his shops were like virtual deserts oh, right. and that was before social media wow. and that, you know so you know basically it was all over the news and the only media you had at the time to consume was was print news and and you know um uh, news stories on on tv if you imagine the flood of social media now, it would have been gone in minutes, not not months. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can't hide, but you also don't want to hide. You want to be credible. You want to be building yourself reputationally as a as a person of interest. I don't like the word influence because it makes you sound like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. You know, it's not about being an influencer necessarily, but it's about being a person of interest. It's about being a person of relevance. Yeah. I, 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 like I sort of say like micro-influencer in your niche. Like it's, I, I, I'm a strong advocate of the book Oversubscribed by um, Daniel Priestley. Yeah. Um, and again, you don't need many people to be backing you to to be a healthy player in your your sector, your field. Mm. Um, so, 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 Obviously, given that and talking about the traditional sales route and all that side of it, what about traditional, like for me, networking? Like I, I, if traditional sales are dead, like, you know, similar to Wolf of Wall Street, mm. why, why does networking still exist in the way that it does? Because like I absolutely die inside mm. when I go to a networking event and everyone does a six second pitch because you can tell that they're dying inside doing the six second pitch. Like some are either dying inside because they're there having to do it mm. or they're trying to convince themselves, is this six, you know, Hi, my name's so and so, and we specialize in X, Y, and Z. And the next guy stands up. Hi, my name's so and so, and we specialize in X, Y. And how how many experts will you find around the table at a networking event? It's Everyone. awful. And like, I'm I'm like really torn because I hate these networking. I hate networking events like like that style. Mm. But I, I see the massive importance of building relationships with yeah. people and building new relationships with people. I just think the the style of that networking is just absolutely dead. And I might be wrong, but I just I can't see it. <laughs> well, I, I know, and I know there's, there's a cynical gene in you, but it's not because you're cynical for other reasons and the fact that you've been to a number of, you're not sat there in your ivory tower going networking rubbish. I've you've tried. never been, you've tried, you've been, I know all that kind of thing. Let me tell you about networking from my perspective. I have been involved in networking in one form or other since the mid 90s when networking was in its infancy. You know, when it was called networking, it suddenly became a thing. So I've run uh, business networks. I've been a chairman of the Institute of Directors for North Yorkshire, which ran events, right. which were based around networking. Um, I attend networks now, but I attend them um, selectively. Yeah. But I don't attend networks for any other reason than the fact that um, deep down we're pack animals, aren't we? So as a business owner, a lot of people attend networks because it's 
a, a good place to be with other like-minded individuals. And as, you, as long as you go for that reason, the rest of it will take care of itself. But the f- traditional form of one-minute pitch or listen, do you one-to-ones and have a coffee, absolutely. I, I don't understand why I should have a one-to-one with somebody and a coffee with somebody if there is absolutely nothing worth exploring. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's I've, I saw that as a massive uh, downfall when I when I were doing like some bigger, like some what people know of networking events. We, should, we must have a one-to-one, we must have. And I, again, the concept I understand, we need to sit down and get a, a, a deeper understanding of what we do. Do you? I don't know, but I suppose then, like, if, if you're going to be an advocate of mine, mm. you need to sit down with me and understand what I do. But again, like, uh, it might not be mutually beneficial because one guy might be sat there for, if it's an hour long, uh, you know, meeting, yeah. and they spend 50 minutes talking about themselves, and then yeah. go, oh, what do you do? You do video sound, I'll, I'll just put you onto my sister's wedding. Yeah. I'm like, I don't I do that. I can't swear, but <laughs> it's wrong podcast, but all, like, I don't do wedding videos, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and you had 50 minutes of their yeah. time, 10 minutes of yours, an and when, hour wasted, and when travel you're first time. Starting out, when you're first starting out in business, you know, you're trying to make all ends meet. Like I, I didn't have them, like when I first, I can't say which networking event it was, but I didn't have the money, the capital to put into that, but I found it and I put it in because I was promised, you will secure this seat. You will be the only one. The only one in this area that's doing this and we will pass work to you. But the pass work to you that you don't want or yeah. they don't pass work to you that you don't, that yeah. you, that, that, because they don't understand your business. But having a one-to-one is not necessarily what that's about. My view on business is and sales is about relationship building. It's about let's let's take the the uh, the analogy of uh, general practitioner versus specialist. Yeah. In the UK, you go to the doctors with a bad knee. You've got a bad knee. The gen the general practitioner will assess you and say, yes, you've got a bad knee. I'm going to send you to a specialist, an ortho- orthopedic specialist for your knee. The specialist fixes your knee. That's fine. The general practitioner didn't do anything other than pass you on to somebody else. Now, I would say, without being disrespectful to general practitioners, we value the specialist well above the general practitioner. I'm going to cough, sorry. (coughs) The benefits of LinkedIn Live, coughing live (laughs) on on air. Um, But the GP, all they're doing is passing, you know, people around, etc. And the value is in the specialist. So I think when it comes to sales, you are much better being an expert at something than a generalist at everything. Yeah. Because you can't create content about everything. You might as well create content about something. And if my specialism is in sales and in sort of um, sales team leadership and those kind of areas, I will not devalue that by asking someone to, you know, I get asked, do you do customer service training? No, I don't. Yeah. Why not? Well, I could, but why not? Because it's not core to what I want to achieve. It's not core to what I want to be known for. I want to be known for being a person of interest or relevance or value in a particular field and niche. Yeah. And that is that oversubscribe model, isn't it? It is. And if I, but to do that, I have to create a body of work that proves that. Because I, I alluded to earlier, how many people do you know have got the word expert in their job title? Jeepers creepers, you know? What makes them an expert? Well, because they said so. You're not an expert unless somebody actually values their expertise. Yes, yeah, you've said it in your six-second pitch. My name's Jim, and I'm an expert at... Tax or... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Who says so? Yeah, but... And again, like, we, we, we're 
sort of did say that before off air like when you do get into business it is an absolute no man's land like anyone can say they're anything to anyone and well yeah like before obviously before like the internet and content you could just go into a room and say i'm an expert in this and tell a bit of a story and that's it you're you are an expert to that person whereas the i think the internet is exposing everyone now because i don't use the word fraud but it's exposing people who are not as credible as they make themselves out to be and i think from a sales point of view the reality of that is that people who are buying are being more sensible or sensitive or aware of what they're investing in in their supply chain or what they're buying so the amount of people now who i'm if i'm asked to put a proposal in to do some training or to develop a consultancy approach or to restructure a sales function or any of that I've been invited to put a proposal in. Most of that invite comes second and third hand from people I, I'm not actively prospecting. Yeah, so people have backed you. But they've found me. Yeah. But then when they found me, they've checked me out before they've even invited me to the table. I'm doing two pieces of work at the moment. Um, and the, the, the For one in Cardiff, which for those who don't know, you know, it, it's a fair chunk away from where I'm based in York. That came through somebody who came through somebody else who came through somebody else. He said, I've been, you've been recommended, sort of third hand, really. Yeah. He said, but I've checked out your LinkedIn profile. I've checked out your testimonials. I've checked out some of your um, um, content. He said, so I'd like to talk to you. He didn't say, I'd like to work with you. He said, I'd like to talk to you. So my content yeah. allowed me the opportunity to be at the table. Yeah. You've still then, traditional sales, got to be able to handle that opportunity, uh, yeah, yeah. pitch and present, and close the deal. Yeah. So there are still lots and lots of reasons why the skill sets of a traditional salesperson are absolutely valid. But what I'm trying to do is say, how do you get to more tables? How do you get to more invites? How do you get more people who you're not even aware of ringing you? You mentioned earlier to me off air, didn't you, about you got a call yesterday from a guy that you spoke to a year ago. Yeah. And a year ago, you didn't get the job that you went for, which was a video a video piece. Yeah. But he's been watching your content for a year and rang you. Yeah, I mean, that's that, I've, I've spoke about it uh, like on a couple of podcasts I've been guests on and on mine, like on a number of occasions, like we talk about like the customer journey now and this credibility. And, and I invest a, a lot of my time into getting as much content out there as possible so that a potential audience, for one, they can get as much free information as they want. Yeah. And should they ever consider buying then they're going to trust me as an authority because I've put enough free stuff out there. Well, they've already tasted your capability yeah. in, in whichever way they've chosen. And, and they either like it or they don't. So like, so the times that you we go back to like the networking, the one-to-one, mm. that that sort of time is to figure out if, if somebody does want to work with you, do they like yeah. your vibe, do they like the way that you, you know, are they going to recommend you? Yeah. Whereas I've, I've put a lot of information out there at our work me as a as a person, obviously Liana works for me. All these things are out there, so people can get a real understanding of us as a company, as a business, what mm. we produce, and they can decide there and then do they like it or don't. That either way, it doesn't matter to me mm. because if they, if they don't like it, you'll never know. I'll never know. And if they do like it, they just pick up the phone and they're ready to buy. Yeah. So like the customer journey and the, and the marketing works like that. And you you've shortened you've shortened the steps. You might have elongated the, the time. Yeah. But you've shortened the steps. Let me tell you about another thing that's quite important or seems to be a theme at the moment and that's values-based selling okay a lot of organizations now 
whether it's for corporate social responsibility reasons or to do with you know just just a, a more awareness are looking for a value match when it comes to their supply chain so you know sometimes it's ridiculous i if i work for a big organization so i work for a big construction company um, I'm a small business, and one of the cred- one of the one of the credentials I had to complete was an anti-slavery policy. It, you know, because someone somewhere said we need to know what your view is on anti-slavery. Right, it's the same as it's got to be on money laundering and all. Yeah. You know, because there's a box to tick that says, "Have we asked this business who yeah, might yeah. be working with about anti-slavery?" Broadly, I'm against it. I think that's what, <laughs> that was the you know. I said yeah. I sent it back. Uh, broadly, I'm against it. I think it's morally wrong. If that's okay, I haven't really got a published policy because I don't think I need one. You know. <laughs> So a bit of a bit of a joke <laughs> on that basis, but the reality is, when you're looking at um, a supplier match and a, and a, a, to a, to a, a potential customer, more and more organisations are saying, do they fit our values? Do yeah. they fit? So where do I learn about someone's values? I don't learn about the values in a one to one because I'm never going to have a one to one with every potential person I might buy from. I learn about their values in how they publish yeah. content. What's their profile say on LinkedIn? What's their website say? What are they commenting on? What are they creating? What's their content do? Because I want to work with organizations like me and I expect organizations want me to work with them because I've got the same values, so the same moral compass, the same values in terms of, you know, what I think about sort of environmental issues and all that kind of stuff. So the content bit linked to the sales approach is can only be valuable. Yeah, It can only add value to your credibility. So if you don't build a body of work and you don't build a body of content, and that's across different platforms though, isn't it? It's yeah. about vlogs, blogs, video, LinkedIn, everything. If you don't build a body of evidence and a body of work, people just bypass you and go somewhere else. I think definitely uh, that is the case nowadays, uh, like 100%. Oh, we've just dropped out on there. We must have some bad connection issues today. Um, are we back in? We're back in. So yeah, if there's a, any problems with the uh, stream, I apologise. <laughs> Blame uh, Virgin Media. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, so just going back, like let's let's box off the networking thing then. So like this is my constant like conundrum. Mm. I strongly agree, strongly agree that we need to network mm. as individuals and work with like-minded people and talk to people. Mm. But then the traditional style of networking, I don't think works. It's like, what do we do? You know what I would rather do? In your position, you work in a um, you work in a fairly small town. Yep. Just outside the city of Leeds, okay? Yep. Are we still on? Are we still off? It looks like we've got some streaming issues, but okay. let's carry on. It's, we're pre-recording as well. So. Yeah, no worries. So you work in a small town. That small town has got a, um, a knowledge base, a local knowledge base. Now, if I was in your situation here, I'd be identifying the types of organisations that you want to work with, would like to work with, and who might want to work with you. And would it not be better to invite that small capacity, five or six people, to meet you in one go and you run something to all get to know each other without going to a formal network with a one-minute pitch that says, hey, look at me, this is what I do, I'm an expert in this. I'm not saying there's not a place for us. I still go to the odd one. I still go to ones, but I do it from a, I know I'm going to be sociable yep. because as a business owner, sometimes, you know what? Being sociable is part of the process. There is a conundrum about, you know, do I go networking because 
I should meet people, and, and, and of course you should. It's very isolated and lonely just being a business owner, sitting in your you know office or studio and not meeting people. But you're much better off meeting people that you want to meet rather than sitting through listening to you know 40 one-minute pitches. However, if you go to a networking event and you see and interact with people, you can be quite selective. I like selective networking. So I might go to a network with 40 people with a view to just having a what I would call a grown-up conversation with two or three of them. Right. And the rest of it's just socialising, having a coffee and saying, you know what, I've done a bit of, you know, uh, um, glad-handing, handshaking, yeah. you know, smiling and, and, and having a coffee and breaking bread, as it were, with, with, with people. Um, so I'm doing it for that reason, but I might have two or three decent conversations with somebody, which negates the fact of having necessarily a one-to-one. I can use that environment to have, you know, yeah, yeah. this person, first of all, do I like them? Do they like me? Could we see ourselves working together? Have we got the same values? Yeah. Let's explore that if it's worth exploring. So you do need to go sometimes with a view to saying, it's not a numbers game, it's a quality game. Yeah. What's the quality for you in that organisation, in that network? That quality might be one person, might be two people. It won't be 40. No, no. And if it is, you're going down traditional selling routes and basically, you're the guy or lady going there going, right, I've got 40 people. If I can collect 40 business cards, I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of my take on it, really. You know, I go once a month somewhere, networking, see some nice people I see, smile, nod, break bread, have a cup of coffee. And I'm going, yeah, I've enjoyed that. Okay. But I'm not going with any misconceptions that I'm going to come out of there with a biggest contract in the world and whatever no i don't think i i, I don't I don't, I don't go even to sell I, some people do though. i know yeah well again that's i think obviously being british we don't like being sold to like mm. we, like if oh, i hate it you know if somebody's immediately tries to sell you a yeah. product or tell you about how good their product is mm. they've not like come on i am british like talk to me about weather or something yeah, well, weather's, weather's crap today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is actually. Yeah, did you see Newcastle lose at weekend? Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That, that could be any. That could be any Monday. <laughs> that conversation, though, couldn't it? To be fair. Um, yeah, just being traditionally sold to straight away, and then I'm not. I, I like. I don't even know why. I, I just want to go networking because I'm, I I just understand the power of of conversation. So getting to like, obviously, we've got to know each other yeah, yeah. over over through work, but we could have quite easily done the exact same thing at an event yeah. where we just keep catching up, catching up, and before you know it, that that has developed. So mm. that's why I'm there. But I just hate being sold. Well, that's selective, me. though, isn't it? Here's the thing, right? Being hate to, hate to be sold to. Totally get that. And going back to social selling, social selling is about saying we do this stuff here. It's of interest to lots of people. It might be interest to you. Have a look. Yeah. And then you have a look and you make an informed choice. Mm -hmm. I may well say to you as part of the sales process, what did you think? Bit of feedback would be interesting. And you go, actually, Nick, that was really, really relevant to me. Then we can take it forward. Or if you go, yeah, it was all right, thanks. That's It's social selling is basically saying, this solves a load of problems, this particular solution. Yeah. If your business has got that problem... It may be worth, it might be a good fit. Yeah. If it hasn't, enjoy the content. And you know what? Mm. When you've got that problem or that problem arises, you know where we are. But it's not It's not about being that in your face and direct. I want to ban the phrase cold calling. Okay. Oh, Christ. Honestly, the amount of people who go, right, okay. So what does your job involve? Well, I do cold calling. I do, do you really? Because so, I'll tell you now, anyone who's listened to this podcast who's over 45, will know what cold calling is. 
and cold calling used to be telephone directory, start at A, finish at Z, and that's all you had. You had a phone number and a business name, yeah. and you'd start at A, finish at Z. So Aardvark Services used to get 25 <laughs> calls a day, and Mr. Zakynthos never got called because nobody ever made it to Z, okay? Yeah. So that was cold calling because we had nothing else. Yeah, yeah. You might have had an advert in there which told you a bit more about, you know, the, the, the company you were targeting, but very few yellow pages had the occasion, you know, they had a little advert in there. There is no excuse for cold calling these days. First of all, the internet will tell you almost anything you need to know about that organisation, its culture, its values, its structure, what it's working on, contract it's won, growth, expansion, mergers, acquisitions. All that, all that information. is information that allows you to think about how do you position your business against what that company is doing right now. Yeah. Then you've got LinkedIn to say, who are the players in that organization that I need to reach out to? Yep. So you've reached out to somebody, you've given them a reason to connect. We're doing some great work in your sector. I'd really like to explore how that might work. Um, it'd be great if you could accept this LinkedIn request. Yeah. Boom, send the LinkedIn request. They accept that LinkedIn request. You've done your research on the company you're entitled then to have a conversation because they've responded to the fact that you're doing some good work. Yeah. They've probably looked at that good work in your body of content and decided, okay, I'll accept that con connection request. Yeah, yeah. That isn't, if that's cold yeah. calling, I'm the Queen of Sheba. It's not cold calling, is it? <laughs> no. It absolutely isn't cold calling. It's researched calling. It's not numbers, it's quality. Yeah, so, and that, yeah, you're right. And that goes straight back to the beginning when you were talking about the information that's available now and your sort of relevance still in, in the industry, you know, because mm -hmm. no matter what, the information's out there for people to be able to make a sale or not. Or Yeah. yeah. How do you use the information? Is the, it, That makes the difference between being a, a good salesperson and being a great salesperson yeah. is instinct and intuition. What is this information telling me? And what can I connect into that information? How can I use what I've just read or seen in a positive way for my business? What's the connection? And can I help the person I'm targeting to make that connection by, you know, just by simple language? Yeah. You know, I see you've done, you've been through a merger or an acquisition. We've done lots of work at this stage where we're helping organizations to restructure sales functions or whatever it might be. I just thought that might be interest. Have a look, see what you think. Yeah. Boom. Is that more targeted than giving somebody a ring because it comes up in the phone book and saying, hello, we do sales training. Do you want some sales training? <laughs> they go, no. Oh, okay. Sorry to bother you. Put yeah. the phone down. Next. That's what it used to be like in the old days. If you're still doing that in your job, by the way, find another job. Yeah, totally. Adapting with the times. And you, like, I think the, the premise behind all that now is the actual content base behind the sales because like, I completely understand from a sales perspective where the content is relevant because yeah. like it just makes it makes the selling easier doesn't it yeah so for you like you've you're creating these bodies of content yeah to to help with the sales process which i got which most people won't they're still going to go traditional out they're still are going to be mm. just trying to ram it down people's throat if you're not following trends or not leading the way in terms of your sector by the very nature you're falling behind aren't you yeah because one of your competitors will be, you know, all over YouTube or all over product videos or all over, you know, I, I quite like videos that show a human story. And I know you do. I think, you know, when you're storyboarding something for a corporate, the people are more important than the product in some cases. You know, what's the story behind it? What's the personality of the business? What's the... So if one of your competitions is doing that, 
and they're getting loads of views and likes and comments and reshares, and you're not, they're going to steal a march on you, yeah. aren't they? Why wouldn't you at least look at investing in that and doing it properly? Uh, one thing I do want to say before I start wrapping up is um, one of the main takeaways, I've only ever done one of your training courses um, yeah. for the Adventure Programme. And one of the main things I took away that day was when you said about when you deliver a proposal, you phone up the client to go through the proposal with them. Yeah. I never even, I'd not even considered it, never even thought about it. Yeah. But the power of that is massive because like when you've got a high ticket item, let's say we're delivering a video, two grand, for example. Yeah. First thing we're going to look at is two grand. They're going to yeah. be like, oh my God, 2,000 pounds. That's a lot of money. I can get one made for 200 quid yeah. by my friend's next door neighbor's yeah, dog. Like yeah, Jeff's dog's grandma. They'll <laughs> make me one for, for 500 quid because he's a freelancer. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the, com I'm, I'm just assuming we've not done it yet, but the conversion of that, when you can literally dictate the value and the process and say, this is why it's cost this much and this is the mm. deliverable at the end of it. They're going to be like, yeah, because I've been sold. I've never even considered, but I've been sold to like that. Yeah. So, so like, you know, marketing for example you know we're going to do this that and other and it's going to cost 1500 quid a month and you're like how much money like 1500 pounds a month yeah what you know and then when this but if somebody goes through the proposal with you and says well this is what you get X, and, y, and, and leads it to the end game the last thing you should talk about in any discussion with a client is price yeah because if they see price first everything's about justifying why it's too expensive yeah. in their world so what i'd say to you is for example if i do a proposal I don't do it for everyone. If I do a proposal that's multi-level and, and, and significant and I create it visually, so I just use PowerPoint because that's about as good as my creative, creativity gets. But I use PowerPoint because a picture paints a thousand words and I convert to PDF. If I just send that PDF through to a client and say, read that and tell me what you think, I've got no control over how and why they read it. Yeah, I've got no control over when they read it. I've got no control over the wow factor. So what I want to do is I'll say to somebody, right, I want to present this proposal to you. I'll either go down and see them if it's if it's tangible Doable, and yeah. relevant to do, or I'll ring them and say, right, we've got a scheduled call to present this proposal to you. I'm in front of your laptop, yeah, right, I'll send the proposal now. So page one, page two, and I'll walk them through, yeah. and I'll, I'll gauge their reaction. I could do it on Skype so I can see the whites of the eyes. I can say, you know, so as you can see here, and I can answer your questions. And then we get to the point where it goes, right, so that whole delivery mechanism for all of that with the outputs, and it's all driven by um, results, not, you know, yeah. it's output, not input. So all of that, and I never use the word cost, by the way, in a proposal ever. Okay. Investment. That's your investment in your team. That's your investment in your business. That's clever, that, yeah. And it's just a change of word. Yeah, yeah. But I want to work with organisations who want to invest in their team. Yeah. I want to work with organisations who want to invest in their growth. If I say it's a cost, I have to justify the cost. If yeah. I say, do you want to invest in your business and it's going to cost you that to invest? We're all not stupid. We know it's the same thing. Mm. But I present the investment and I can handle the response because I'm doing it live. Yeah. Whereas if I just send it as a PDF... What if, they, what if they print it out in black and white on crap paper and give it out to the people and go, oh, this looks rubbish. Yeah. It didn't look rubbish when it left my desk. It looks rubbish because you've turned it. I've got no control over that. Why would I lose control over something like that when it's so important in the sales cycle? That's, I mean, I know you obviously not reinventing the wheel with that. Like no. that's, you know, but that's something that as a small business owner, you were, to, I'm still a startup. I'd never even considered it until you said it and you're like a light bulb moment. Mm. And it's, like that's a valuable piece of information for anybody listening and watching. Like really consider, we we've, like, we just fire out. Like 
we don't get that many inquiries yeah. but you know like if we get one we'll be like we'll put the effort in we'll get it out and we're like right we'll, that, that looks good you know like we'll ping you a quote yeah we're like, that, that sounds good right we're getting a, we're getting a quote and we'll send it across to you and it's like ping gone email and we're yeah. like you've Oof. lost all control yeah. of the impact yeah and actually in your world you're a visual medium yeah, yeah. so why would you want to lose control of the visual impact of, of your proposal that's yeah. the thing i'm not visual but my proposal's a visual but I want to control the release of information, yeah. the journey that I take them to that says, and actually there's the investment. And I want them to think at that stage, wow, I, I, you know, that's worth that yeah. because of everything you've said in the previous, you know, four pages or whatever it might be. Yeah. So just little things like that. But well, it's a different approach, isn't it? We've, we've knocked up to 42 minutes already. You, man, you manage 30 minute podcasts. I told you I can't keep to a schedule whatsoever, wow. me. My 35 minute podcast seemed to. Wow, 42 minutes. I know, yeah. God, you can talk some crap for a long time, <laughs> you, Josh, can't you? Right, mate, well, that's been an absolute pleasure. It's a shame that the LinkedIn Live uh, went went to pot. Yeah. Um, I, I blame Virgin Media 100%, but we okay. will get this up on uh, on YouTube. Okay. Uh, and hopefully those that have listened and watched have found it very valuable. Okay, um, so the people who've watched the first half of LinkedIn Live, will it still have been live until it, till it dropped yeah, off? Then, until yeah, until it dropped. And then so we'll, people have got half a podcast. Yeah, they'll, get, they'll have had half a podcast and we'll send them the link to uh, listen to the rest of it. But thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you if they want to be in contact? Well, my website address is www. That's how old I am. I still use the www bit, don't I? So <laughs> I joke with people when I we're doing, know, when we're doing videos. <laughs> At the start, they're, they're going, right, my, my uh, website is www. I'm like, what? what? I'm like, obviously. It's it, obviously. You don't have to say the World Wide Web. Okay. Like. <laughs> right. I'm an old fart. Thank you for that, Josh. So it's Impactus Group. Yep. So it's impact, I-M-P-A-C-T-U-S hyphen group.com. And it's Nick Bramley. You can find me all over LinkedIn. Yeah, you're there. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. Pleasure on this side of the table, mate. Thank you. All right. Catch you on next one, guys.